welcome. I thought that uh, I had gotten into a fairly windy industry when I joined the radio business, but it's nothing compared to meteorology the last couple of days. Welcome to your midday program on the Rural Radio Network, and I would assume it's no surprise that we've got lots of wind just about everywhere, Susan. Oh, it is absolutely crazy. I was just talking to a producer that said he knew the mailman was coming because he saw the cloud of dust following him down the road. We definitely could use some moisture, but it's it's definitely windy out there. Yeah. Well, our best goes out to... Lots and of things... Go, go ahead. I was just going to say, lots of things happening as we encourage producers to, to be safe this planting season. But we're going to dive into a trade mission that's happening to South Africa with the Kansas Department of Agriculture. Shaley Peters is going to have more about that at 1219. Then coming up, we're going to head a little bit farther south to Oklahoma, where they're working on getting some fire relief for the cattle producers there, and money is being raised to help them. The biggest thing they need right now is hay, but it's the monetary donations that are helping to make those hay purchases. Then coming up at 117, Bryce talks about the new food safety testing at the U.S., or excuse me, Bruce does, at the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center. So some of the things happening from the Farm Department on this windy Monday. All right, very good. Thanks, uh, Susan. Yeah, they're saying that there's not a lot of extra hay to be had, so those monetary donations are making it uh, even doable to stay in the business. Let's move on over to Jason Jorgensen, who has the latest sports stuff. Well, Nebraska head coach Tim Miles made it official today in a story that actually kind of came out last week, but uh, they, did, they did announce that Deshaun Burke has joined the Husker basketball program after transferring from Robert Morris. Now, of course, due to the NCAA's transfer rules, he will have to set out this year, but he will be eligible to play two more years at Nebraska. He's a promising prospect. Last year as a sophomore at Robert Morris, he averaged about 18 points per game. So this is a guy who knows how to put the ball in the hoop. And the Huskers have had uh, success with transfer guards in the past when you look at uh, Taryn Petaway, Andrew White, and what James Palmer Jr. did this past year. So we'll touch on that. Also, we will hear from the only Husker who was drafted over the weekend, quarterback Tanner Lee. He uh, went in the sixth year and uh, sixth round and Fortunately, he was drafted and kept that long streak alive. 56 consecutive years that the Huskers have had at least one guy picked. Wow. This year, just one. Just one. A handful of others have signed free agent deals. <laughs> I'll tell you where everybody is headed. And a newly released document show the University of Minnesota paid nearly $300,000 to settle sexual harassment complaints related to former athletic director Norwood Teague. Oh, my. One of those deals, though. People were paid money to be quiet, yep. and they weren't quiet. Getting to be <laughs> starting, starting to starting to believe that the so-called NDA doesn't hold much water anymore. Apparently not. It's probably a pretty good thing. Uh, let's move on over to Dave Schroeder, who's sitting in for business today. Yes. Well, again, the Dow is up fifty points at last report, and uh, expect a trip to the gas station this summer to cost a little bit more. And already we're seeing a little bit higher gas prices right now as consumers. So we'll explain more about that coming up. All right. Very good, Dave. Thanks. And uh, Jason, appreciate it. Susan, thanks for being with us today here on the Midday Program. Our best going out to all of those who uh, were hurt and injured in yesterday's pileup. Take it easy. Take it safe out there. Could be more wind before thunderstorms today. This is Midday on the Rural Radio Network. 
Well, here's why we have Paul Perkins around. <laughs> when we have this kind of volatile weather, we have history to talk about. We have uh, yesterday's event to talk about. We have what's expected today to talk about. And just a few seconds to talk about it. So, <laughs> oh, here, boy. <laughs> yeah. Here's uh, Paul as we take a look at our ag weather today brought to you by Coolman Repair. It seems like April 30th is a volatile day for weather. Last year on this date, we had a big snowstorm. The most, the most significant late-season snowstorm on record. Yeah. Heavy wet snow built up on power lines to trees, and along with some northerly winds gusting up to 50. We had several power outages in rural areas mostly, and some of them lasted for several days. Also, most of the snow accumulations, for most of us, about 2 to 4 inches, but there were a few high in totals, including 12 inches right near Lexington and 9 inches at Wilsonville. And there were a lot of schools closed the next day for May Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> School closed in May because of a snowstorm. <laughs> well, that's just, you know, it's a very memorable day for a lot of people. And uh, even when, it, you know, it's that way, even though we'd just as soon forget it. Exactly. You know, today uh, could be uh, memorable for other reasons. Exactly. Could see some severe weather today. Yesterday we had, of course, those strong winds across much of the area. Wind gusts up 55 to 62 at Kearney, Grand Island, Hastings, Oxford, and Norton. Pretty much anywhere where you were. Temperatures right now mostly in the low and mid-70s. Headed for some highs today in the 80s compared to the snowstorm last year. So who knows what you're going to get on April 30th in this part of the country. Today unseasonably warm and very windy again. Gusts up to 50 to 55. And blowing dust are possible as low pressure tracks towards the east. Hopefully we don't have a repeat of that multi-car pileup like we saw yesterday. Thunderstorm is going to be possible along a cold front tracking southeast late this afternoon into tonight. Some of those storms could go severe. Large hail, damaging winds, maybe even an isolated tornado. Locally heavy rain is also possible as we could see some storms pretty much just train or move over the same area uh, for a constant period there. The main severe threat going to be west of a line today from Norfolk to Grand Island and Phillipsburg. So once again, if you're west of a line from Norfolk to Grand Island and Phillipsburg, you're in that main severe threat. But everybody could see maybe the possibility of some severe weather. Tomorrow's temperature is going to be cooler as that front pushes to the southeast. That will push tomorrow's main severe weather, severe threat to the southeast of a line from about Columbus to Grand Island and Stockton in Kansas. Again, southeast of line tomorrow from Columbus to Grand Island and Stockton. Now, when that front Lingering in the region and that main area of low pressure tracks across the plains. Rain and thunderstorms going to be possible for the midweek all the way through Thursday. Dry and mild weather is back by Friday in the weekend as high pressure takes hold. In our long-term forecast, our temperatures for Nebraska and Kansas should be warmer than normal. This weekend through May 13th, the precipitation outlook expects Nebraska to start drier than normal this weekend and the early part of next week, then trend slightly above normal rainfall the mid part of next week through May 13th. Now, the Kansas outlook expecting slightly above normal rain the entire time from this weekend through May 13th. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth, uh, those are continuing to warm up very rapidly thanks to those warm temperatures. At 7 this morning, those soil temperatures range from the upper 40s in the Panhandle to the low 50s in other areas of Nebraska north of I-80. Right along and south of I-80 into Kansas, the soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s. Weather factors in the market include a mixed Midwest rainfall pattern and only light showers expected for the southern plains. Despite the showers last week, an elevated wildfire threat exists across the central and southern high plains for today. Sharply cooler weather overspreading the northern high plains along with a few showers. That's once again halting planting operations that had just gotten underway in recent days. In the Corn Belt, 
Chilly weather lingers in the Ohio Valley. That's where frost and freeze advisories were in effect early today. Over the next several days, a complex storm will affect the nation's midsection. Potential hazards may include an elevated wildfire threat in the central and southern high plains and locally severe thunderstorms and maybe isolated tornadoes across the plains, Midwest, and Mid-South. Western and northern areas of the Midwest will have moderate to locally heavy rain that disrupts their field work and planting progress. The precipitation looks to be light to moderate in the rest of the Midwest and offer more favorable conditions for planting. Delta conditions will be favorable this week for planting and crop development with only light rain indicated across the southern plains. Only minimal relief from the drought is going to be seen with scattered light rain expected. Brazil's central crop areas expected to be dry this week. The dryness may lead to crop losses for their second crop corn. Your ag weather brought to you by Kuhlman Repair, and we want you to be prepared for uh, anything that happens today. So keep it on uh, KRVN. Make sure that you also uh, have your local radio stations app there uh, here on the Rural Radio Network and the Storm Center that will activate if uh, that coverage becomes necessary as we go through. You can really see where that ridge is developed there. It's 60 at Ogallala, 72 at North Plant at this hour. And uh, everything in about a 70-mile either side of Lexington line seems to be the threat point here. Exactly, yep. Uh, Much of west-central and central Nebraska into central Kansas under the gun for that main severe threat today as that cold front continues to push towards the east. Yeah, temperature is 60 at Ogallala, but just down the road, 72 at North Platte and McCook, and up to 76 currently on the temperature in Lexington already, warming up rapidly. Yep, all right. Well, keep it right here and on your rural radio network stations all summer long. We'll keep you up to date on the latest in Storm Center information. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. We had a big rally this morning in the grain and soybean futures led by wheat. We've come off those highs and actually trading lower in soybeans at this hour. May corn, 393 and three quarters, up four and a quarter. July, 401 and a quarter, up two and three quarters. September, 408, up two and a half. December, 416 and a quarter, up one and three quarters. May soybeans now 1040 and a quarter, down four and three quarters. July 1051, down five and a quarter. August 1053 and a half, down four and a half. November 1045 and a half, down one and a half. Chicago May wheat 505, up nine, nine and a half. Uh, July 505, up six and a half. Kansas City May 515, up two and three quarters. July 534 and a quarter, up three and three quarters. Minneapolis May wheat six seventeen and three quarters up eleven and one half. Live cattle futures feeder cattle are on the downswing, with June live cattle down a dollar at one o six even. August one o five o two down ninety five. October one o eight thirty two down one o seven. December one twelve fifty down one thirty. The uh, April contract expired uh, seventy lower at one twenty three seventy five. May feeder cattle now 140.82, down 120. August 146.57, down 167. September 147.17, down 117. October 147.15, down 105. But lean hogs have rebounded. May 66.57, up 47. June 73.12, up 50. The Dow is now unchanged, 24,310. NASDAQ down 38 at 7,081. The S&P 500 down 13 at 2,658. 
Win a new truck this season with Verdesian, the nutrient use efficiency people. To qualify, sign up for the Verdesian Performance Guarantee by May 25th and you'll automatically be entered to win. And when you use Avail or Nutrisphere in this spring, the Performance Guarantee ensures a positive return on your investment or Verdesian will cover the cost of the product. For more info, visit vlsci-winatruck.com or contact your local retailer. Many beef producers have suffered loss from the recent and ongoing wildfires in western Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Cattlemen's Foundation is a charitable arm of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Chancy Hansen is Director of Communications for the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Have lost cattle, have lost their home, fences, even their hay piles. You can help producers in Oklahoma by going to our website, ruralradio.com. Click the link at the top of the page. It'll lead you to a donation site to help out producers in Oklahoma. The 2018 Wheat Quality Council Craft Tour launches this week. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network with a midday look at your ag news. Scouts on the 2018 Wheat Quality Council Hard Winter Wheat Tour are likely to see a very different crop than they found last year. Scouts will wade into some of the worst winter wheat conditions as they begin to pull samples this week. The tour kicks off Tuesday, May 1st, and will end Thursday, May 3rd. And we will have reports right here on the Rural Radio Network throughout the week from the tour. This year, Dave Green, Executive Vice President of the Wheat Quality Council, says we will have a large group of bakers with Miller's Media and Trading Company representatives added to the mix. And there will be 24 cars and 96 participants coming through the Kansas wheat country. We know that between now and harvest, yields can change, but the tour is a good starting point. It gives us a first snapshot of the 2018 crop. It is unfortunate, but this year's hard winter wheat tour across Kansas will literally be surveying what is currently the world's worst region of winter wheat crop conditions, said DTN analyst Todd Holtman. Monday's crop progress report from USDA said 49% of the winter wheat crop in Kansas was either rated poor to very poor, the result of almost no significant precipitation since October. And again, you can follow along with tour updates all week right here on the Rural Radio Network. And Rich Walters, Platte Valley Weed Management Area, reported that 25,800 acres have been treated for invasive frag mites along the Platte River in the Central Platte Natural Resources District since 2009. Walters gave his report at the CPNRD's Board of Directors meeting on Thursday. Walters said with the help of over 700 landowners, frag mites have been reduced by 86% and purple loose stripe, also an invasive plant, has been reduced by 70% through continued maintenance. In 2009, the Platte Valley Weed Management Area and West Central Weed Management Area collaborated to control frag mites in 16 counties in South Central Nebraska, including approximately 315 river miles of the Platte River. A total of $5.5 million has been spent with 91% of the funds being used for herbicide and mechanical control and the remaining funds used for monitoring, public outreach, legal insurance costs, and project coordination. Central Platte NRD has approved $418,118 towards the project in cooperation with 12 other federal, state, and local funding partners. And farm groups are trying to stave off demands to include more cuts in the Farm Bill for crop insurance and commodity programs. Crop insurance and commodity programs made it through the House Agriculture Committee unscathed, but conservative groups are backing bills and pushing for more reforms once the Farm Bill hits the House floor for debate, likely in mid-May. A group of 65 organizations, including farm conservation and wildlife groups, sent a letter last Thursday to every member of the House of Representatives urging 
urging them not to propose amendments to the farm bill that would do significant harm to crop insurance and rural America. And finally, companies that produce plant-based meat substitutes or lab-grown products would be required to clearly note that their products do not contain meat under a bill approved by the Missouri House. The bill was approved 107 to 38 by the House last week and now goes to the Senate for consideration. If it's approved, Missouri would be the first state in the country to address the issue. The proposal part of the omnibus pro-agriculture bill is supported by the state's pork producers, the Missouri Farm Bureau and the Missouri Cattlemen's Association. They contend the state's livestock industry has spent considerable time and money educating consumers about the benefits of eating meat. The proposal seeks to ensure that consumers don't, for example, mistake a plant-based product such as meat-like tenders for real chicken. Lawmakers are working under a May 18th deadline to move legislation to the governor's desk. That's a quick look at your midday ag news. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The Kansas Department of Agriculture has participated in a trade mission to South Africa. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. And one of the participants joins us today to visit about his experience over in South Africa. It's Martin Kirshen of Team Kirshen Farms in South Central Kansas. Martin's also a member of the U.S. Grain Council, Africa and Middle East Advisory Committee. So, Martin, I just want you to open up and talk about a little bit first why you guys went over there. What was the purpose of this trade mission? So we we were able to go over there and uh, um, and uh, go to a sorghum symposium in the 21st century. And as you and I discussed, the symposium a symposium is uh, when you um, dwell on one subject. And ours was sorghum, and sorghum is a big deal for Kansas producers. And um, so I was happy to be one of those and got to go along and. Um, there was a lot of research that was um, shared and it's good to know what problems they're having over in Africa and we could tell them some of the problems we have here and hopefully hopefully help each other out in the future. Tell us more about your trip then Martin and some of the experiences that you got outside of this symposium. I know you were able to really get a feel for some of what farming is like over there and especially compared to back here in the states so maybe go into a little more detail on what you saw when looking at farms over in South Africa. Well, I was fortunate enough to get to visit some farms that second week I was there, and um, a lot of it's just like ours. Um, they they have nice equipment in this Cape Town area, and they have very good infrastructure. Their roads are pretty decent, not quite as good as ours. I mean, they don't they're not laid out quite as good as us, but. Uh, very good producers. They they know their inputs. They they asked a lot of questions, um, they, and they were very responsive to my questions too. Um, you know that I think uh, they just realized that they need to help. It's that middle part of Africa, the Horn. You know where they they're going to need to help them out too. And I think that's where the crunch is to feed all those people. And um, that that part of it is for the the middle part of south africa i think the worry worrisome thing down in south africa is political issues for the farmers the only thing you know as a producer here we in south central kansas we had the problem with sugarcane aphids a couple years ago so far we haven't had any last year and hopefully it won't be a problem this year but i never realized like in the horn of africa they have this uh, parasitic weed which actually looks quite nice and it uh, has purple purplish flowers it's called striga 
And so it's a parasitic weed that feeds on sorghum. And so, you know, everybody has issues. And I think that's the neat thing about all these researchers coming together. They all are made aware of other people's problems so that, you know, they can join in. And I know there was a special discussion group amongst all of them for on this strike. And uh, heck, I've never even heard of it, you know. So uh, um, that that's good. I think that's why these symposiums are good so that everybody works together. You know, if, if we all are separate cubicle, it, we're not going to feed the world by 2050, you know. So we got to work together on that. All right. Thank you for your insight. It's Martin Kirshen, Team Kirshen Farms out of South Central Kansas, talking about his experience as he traveled with the Kansas Department of Agriculture over to South Africa recently as part of a trade mission. Of course, you can find more on this by visiting RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Um. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and time to check sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, Nebraska head coach Tim Miles made it official today, announcing that Deshaun Burke has joined the Husker basketball program after transferring from Robert Morse. Burke, a six foot four, 180-pound guard from New Jersey, will have to set out this season, but will have two years of eligibility remaining. He looked at St. John's, Pittsburgh, and Marquette, among other schools, before deciding to bring his talents to Lincoln. He will look to continue the success Nebraska has enjoyed with transfer guards. Taryn Petaway, Andrew White, and James Palmer have all earned all Big Ten accolades in their first season at Nebraska after transferring. Well, Husker quarterback Tanner Lee was selected with the 203rd overall pick in the sixth round of the NFL draft on Saturday. He was selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars. With that selection, the Husker has now been picked in 56 consecutive NFL drafts, and Lee talks about what he feels he brings to the Jag. Uh, you know, I think my, my game is, is fit for the NFL uh, more than anything. My ability to, you know, process information and understand the, the, uh, the game of football and, you know, learning two separate uh, NFL offenses. There are things that you know translate well into uh, playing in the NFL. So I think you know just being you know an NFL quarterback and being a leader and things like that is just something I've uh, always enjoyed, something I'm good at, and I'm looking forward to continuing to do. Number of other Huskers signed free agent deals, including Luke McNitt of Kearney, who signed with Atlanta. Chris Jones is headed to Detroit, and Joshua Kalu inked a free agent deal with Tennessee. Elsewhere, tight end Tyler Hoppus is headed to Minnesota. Nick Gates gets a chance with the Giants. And wide receiver DeMornay Pearsonell, he's headed to Washington. In other news, offensive lineman David Neville received a rookie camp invite from the Raiders. And kicker Drew Brown will reportedly work out for the Giants. Newly released documents show the University of Minnesota paid nearly $300,000 to settle sexual harassment complaints related to former athletic director Norwood Teague. He resigned in 2015 after two high-ranking administrators said he sexually harassed them at a senior leadership retreat. Teague apologized for what he said was offensive behavior. The women signed separate agreements in 2016 and received settlements totaling $300,000 in exchange for waiving any legal claims they might file against university. The two brackets for the GPAC postseason baseball tournaments are set. Top seed and regular season champion Northwestern will serve as one bracket host, while second seed Midland will be the other host. Now taking a look at the games, the first games on Thursday, it'll be Hastings against Morningside at 3, and Doan will battle Concordia at 3. And that is a look at sports. Stay tuned, more Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. 
In the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. Authorities say blowing dust caused a number of vehicles to crash on a highway in Nebraska, injuring 15 people. The Omaha World Herald reports that the winds were gusting about 45 miles an hour when the crash happened, and Nebraska State Patrol spokesman Cody Thomas said the winds picked up the dust from nearby fields and the dust reduced visibility to zero. The crash occurred about 5.15 p.m. on Sunday on Interstate 80 near York. The University of Nebraska at Omaha's part-time MBA and their executive MBA programs were recently recognized in new national and global rankings. In the U.S. News & World Report's 2019 Best Business Schools, UNO's part-time MBA program was ranked the number 97 program in the country, and the U.K.-based CEO magazine recognized UNO's executive MBA program as a Tier 1 program, placing it number 55 in the entire world. Dr. Jeffrey Gold, the chancellor of both the University of Nebraska at Omaha and the University of Nebraska Medical Center, talks about what makes these programs so special to earn such high praise. First of all, the success of our students, enrollment and career success following the students' experience is an important measurement. I think also the flexibility that our students have to pursue these programs over time to design specific curricular elements because many of these students are in business either for themselves or uh, part of a large corporation. And so they see ways that they can enhance their knowledge and their skills that directly apply that can make them more successful in their business lives. The University of Nebraska at Omaha is the only university in the state to receive such recognition. With economic development presenting a challenge for Nebraska's next generation, the Rural Radio Network will be hosting a special hour-long program focusing on rural economic development. The quarterly Rural Radio Forum program will air from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time on stations across the Rural Radio Network. Hosted by Dirk Christensen, the program will explore economic successes and challenges in Western, Central, and Rural Nebraska with closing comments from State Economic Development Director Dave Rippey. Join us tomorrow, May 1st from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time for the Rural Radio Forum featuring the topic Rural Economic Development. The Nebraska State Historical Society is announcing a rebranding of the agency today. It will now be known as History Nebraska. The new name will feature a new logo, updated website, and mobile app to help engage Nebraskans into its history. History Nebraska Director Trevor Jones says they hope to reach new audiences and connect them to historical resources. Additionally, History Nebraska has adopted a new tagline, Preserving the Past, Building the Future. History Nebraska collects, preserves, and shares Nebraska's history for all people and operates the Nebraska History Museum in Lincoln and historic sites across the state. And a trial start of July 12th has been scheduled for a former Hastings police officer accused of hitting and kicking his wife and slapping and kicking his mother. Court records say 27-year-old Cody Bland has pled not guilty to misdemeanor domestic assault, assault, and interfering with a public service device. Our app puts regional, ag, national, and area news just one click away anytime you want. From the News Center, this is Brandon Bennett. More than 320,000 acres lay scorched in Oklahoma, and now the process of rebuilding again is just starting. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association, partnered with the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association, have reached out to President Trump and Vice President Pence, inviting them to come tour the damage and see firsthand just how destructive these latest wildfires have been. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. To find out more about this letter and what producers hope to see come from a possible meeting with President Trump and Vice President Pence, I'm talking with Weston Givens, President of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. And Weston, give us an overview of what the letter to President Trump and Vice President Pence is and what you hope comes from it. Well, 
uh, Michael Kelsey, our uh, our exec, he called he called me and he said, you know, what do you, what do you think about uh, sending a letter to the president and asking asking him? Uh, he said, obviously it's a big ask, but what do you think? And I said, well, shoot, you know, he he campaigned on uh, being a guy that was going to be uh, with the blue collar worker and, and understood that he was going to be working for the people. So heck yeah, I think we got every right to ask. We drafted that letter with the help of some uh, NCBA folks and and. Uh, the letter was received well by the the staff and uh, and the administration, and they got it to the president's desk. Whether whether he can follow up on that or not with his schedule, who knows? We were happy it was received well, and we're hoping that he can he can find a time slot in his schedule, him or the vice president, either one of them, and come out here and and see what these producers are facing. You know, these situations like this have become. Gosh, we've had we've had three big fire years here in Oklahoma the last three years and being able to have a a good program in place to provide some relief for these producers when these things happen is really important I mean there are those programs that are in place Uh, one of the problems has been with the LIP program is those limits were capped at 125,000 which depending on the sized operation may not be nearly enough to help recover from these situations. Uh, one other problem is just that, you know, that the typical deal you run through when you're dealing with government programs is it's just slow to get that money. So those guys have to work with lenders to be able to uh, borrow money to get started on some of these fencing projects so they can utilize their forage as it comes back um, if the rainfall comes as needed. If we could get the president out here, help him understand kind of what some cattle producers are up against in these types of situations. And these fire situations aren't the only types of disasters that cattlemen face around the country. Uh, We know there's blizzard situations that happen up there where you guys are all the time. We have them occasionally out west here in Oklahoma Panhandle. Uh, But also flood situations we saw down in South Texas. And these really, really do place a big burden on uh, on cattle operations. And Weston, this is not the first time that Oklahoma has dealt with wildfires. Unfortunately, in recent history, the outpouring of support that it saw last year and, and in years prior was large. Are you again seeing the type of donations and the amount of donations roll in again to help volunteer fire departments and ranchers and and farmers recover what was partially lost? Yeah, we we really are. Uh, we haven't seen the level full of donations that we saw last year on those fires. Probably a big part of that is, is from the hay side of it. Oh, the Oklahoma, uh, the, the hay stores in Oklahoma are just really depleted right now. I mean, every, last year, everybody that had, you know, any hay that was carried over from the previous year or whatever, whatever they sent that out to those fire victims last year. And, and then last year wasn't just an exceptionally great hay year here in the state and and uh there's just not any excess hay in the state so we sure haven't seen the level of donations on the hay side of it uh cash donations are, are coming in good and solid i it's hard to tell at this point whether we're going to reach those levels we did last year but we are receiving cash donations and uh certainly happy for happy to see that Weston, folks that still want to give back, they want to help, whether it be with labor donations, hay donations, cash donations, where can they go to find out who to give to, where to give to, and just how to stay informed with all of this? 
Oklahoma Cattlemen's website is okcattlemen.org, and you can get on there, and it'll it'll be send you several different places to contact uh, if you want to. Pro- send hay or uh, labor the the main group that's working with that is oklahoma extension and it's got three phone numbers on there that you'll be able to find and you can call there on the hay and labor and fencing and some of that kind of stuff there's a process you can go through there if you want to make a cash donation you can go through there and you can do it on your credit card uh just click through it the process on the website and do that or our address is on that website and you can send a check directly to the oklahoma cattlemen foundation and post put the memo on that for fire that again weston givens president of the oklahoma cattlemen's association bringing us an update on what is happening following the devastating wildfires in oklahoma as well as the letter that the oklahoma cattlemen's association in part with the national cattlemen's beef association sent out to president trump and vice president pence inviting them to come tour the damage and see firsthand what is happening on the ground in oklahoma if you'd like more information or you'd like to find some of the websites talked about here in the interview go to ruralradio.com there there's a link to help the oklahoma wildfires keep listening to the rural radio network nelson with a market report on the rural radio network and shortly before the close it looks like we'll end up higher in corn and wheat but well off the highs of the day profit taking in soybeans may corn 392 and three quarters up three and a quarter july four dollars and a half cent up two September 407 and a quarter up one and three quarters. December 416 up one and a half. May soybeans 1038 and a quarter down six and three quarters. July 1049 and three quarters down six and a half. August 1052 and a quarter down five and three quarters. November 1044 and a half down two and a half. Chicago May wheat 508 up 12 and a half. July 505 and three quarters up seven and a quarter. Kansas City May wheat 516 up three and three quarters. July 531 and three quarters up one and a quarter. Minneapolis May wheat 615 and a quarter up nine. We settled uh, moderately to sharply lower in these cattle futures today. Lean hogs mixed. June live cattle settled 10610 down 90. August 10452 down 145. October 10745 down 195. December 11182 down 197. May feeder cattle settled 140.17, down 185. August 146.20, down 205. September 146.37, down 197. October 146.25, down 195. May lean hogs up 20 today at 66.30. June 72.70, that was up 7. But July down 35 at 7587 right now the dow down 70 24241 nasdaq down 46 at 7073 s&p 500 down 18 at 2653 your time is valuable but checking your irrigation systems is critical go mobile with plains equipment group and raincloud by rinky this smart irrigation technology will let you make irrigation systems decisions remotely giving you information at a glance from any mobile device raincloud will also send you alerts when there's a change or if the system shuts down. We can add this to your Ranky or any brand of pivot. Visit Plains Equipment Group, your local Ranky irrigation experts in Osceola, York, Seward, McCook, and North Platte to go mobile with RainCloud. View details at plainsequipmentgroup.com.
This is Terry Haney, director of the Nebraska LEAD program. For 37 years and with over 1,000 alums, the LEAD program is recognized as one of the very finest agricultural leadership development programs in our country today. If you are currently involved in production agriculture or agribusiness and are in the general age range of 25 to 55 and would like to further develop your leadership skills, call me at 402-472-6810. Nebraska LEAD Group 38 will begin in the fall of 2018. The application deadline is June 15th. Back on the Rural Radio Network as we get a review of the livestock futures trade from Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, kind of a tough day today in uh, in the uh, cattle. Uh, uh, the April contract goes off the board. It went off uh, 70, lower at 123.75, which is a little surprising considering uh, the cash trade that we had uh, Friday. But uh, uh, that be it, uh, that was the way it, was, it went. And we had triple-digit gains in a lot of the uh, deferred contracts. Uh, uh, the only one uh, managing to stay uh, out of that was the uh, nearby June, but it was still 90 lower. So a down day, obviously, and it and it carried over into the uh, feeders also, triple-digit losses there. Uh, uh, this all despite, uh, like I say, good cash trade on Friday, at higher prices, and uh, uh, cutouts higher again at noon. But the... Ran into quite a bit of selling today, and still worries about this uh, wall of cattle that might might be coming. Over in the hogs, we're going to finish mixed uh, cash, uh, pretty much like near steady. The uh, cutouts up just slightly at uh, noon. Uh, that uh, held the uh, first two months higher for the day. The next two uh, months lower, and then back higher again. So mixed in the uh, in the hogs. And it looks like uh, off to kind of a weak start for the uh, cattle and a mixed start for the hogs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal. Great Plains Commodities. Call them at 800-328-0134. Total cattle slaughter today estimated at 118,000. 11,000. Whoops. One month thousand more than uh, one week ago. Hog slaughter 464,000 expected. Same as a week ago. This is the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. The U.S. Meat Animal Research Center located at Clay Center has many functions in improving animal production and health. Another very important function is improving the safety of the finished product that goes to the consumer. Dr. Tommy Wheeler tells us about a new testing process for beef trim that eventually becomes hamburger. So what we've developed with the help of Nebraska Beef Council funding is that when uh, the beef processors are testing their beef trim for E. coli 157H7, they have to collect a sample out of the, the combo bin, and these 2,000-pound combo bins uh, eventually will be made into ground beef. And so they need to take a sample of those and then test it for, for the pathogen. And so what we've worked on is developing better ways to get that sample that the pathogen is, test is done on so that it's more representative of the total 2,000 pound combo. So there's two different ways we've developed to do that. One we call a continuous sampling device and that's putting a sample collection cloth at the end of the trim conveyor line so that as the trim dumps into the combo bin essentially all of the trim has an opportunity to rub across the cloth and get sampled 
uh, as it goes into the bin. And the other method is to use that same cloth to manually, by hand, uh, uh, rub across the top of the combo after it's filled to collect the sample from the trim. What are the advantages of, of this type of system over the old system? So the currently used methods, uh, either you use a knife to trim off uh, pieces of the trim off the top of the combo, or you use a coring device to, to drill down through the combo and it, and it uh, uh, scrapes off or cuts off um, pieces of surface trim for the sample. But these methods that they currently use give you less than a pound of trim out of the 2,000 pound combo to do your test on, so it's not as representative of the entire uh, combo as the new methods would be. How about accuracy? Have you compared accuracy between the two systems? So we've done a lot of head-to-head -head comparisons on, on paired matched uh, combos of trim in commercial plants and the data shows that the new methods are at least as good and in many cases better than the currently used methods for, for detecting the pathogen. Are these, uh, is the new system in place now or will it be shortly? So the continuous sampling device is, is currently being manufactured to get the final uh, commercial version and it's uh, anticipated that that's going to be available probably in the next 30 to 60 days. Uh, the manual sampling uh, cloth is available on the market commercially and the, the beef processing companies are at this uh, currently are going through the process of validating it in all their plants and, and the testing companies that do the, the pathogen assay or analysis are validating the use of the, of the cloth instead of the, the meat sample that would traditionally be used so that it's uh, validated for their testing process. That's Dr. Tommy Wheeler, food safety researcher at the U.S. Meat Animal Research Center. This federal facility in South Central Nebraska is an amazing place, and they do great work to improve the livestock industry, working with cattle, hogs, and sheep. They also partner with the university programs and get help from commodity groups like the Nebraska Cattlemen and the Nebraska Beef Council. I'm Bruce Gorder on the Rural Radio Network. We had some pretty good price action in the grain and soybean trade today. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Maybe something had to do with this end-of-the-month trading, didn't it? Well, I think it could have. It was certainly a volatile day. And, uh, you know, obviously the markets are going to trade off weather right now. It's a little to talk about other than that. Um, but, you know, to think... The, the find a specific reason why the market went up, kissed a new high in in, uh, in soybeans, then came back down and traded red into the close is is difficult for this this analyst. I have um, you know you see Argentina come to the U.S. for another purchase this morning, first flash sale we've had in a while, so that might be something that reminds the market what it's missing. But uh, it's hard to think of of a reason why the market would have traded in such wide ranges other than the end of the month. So looking at soybeans, you're going forward. I think you got to be a, a rally seller. Uh, over the short run, at least, as weather isn't really an issue. Uh, and then in the case of corn, uh, finally broke above and settled above $4 July. That's the takeaway I'll take uh, into the end of the month here. All right. What about wheat? 
Weed is all about Chicago, so we've, we've woken up here over the weekend to a couple of problems that are going on over in uh, Central Europe and then over in, in Russia as well. Um, they're talking maybe 10% less wheat around than a year ago. It's really early to be talking those kind of predictions, but that is something I think the trade isn't prepared for. So you're seeing short covering in the, in the Chicago side, which is uh, you know creating a little bit of distortion against the Kansas City as you're seeing some cover there. But if Chicago wheat rallies, KC wheat's going up, and I imagine corn is going to follow close in tow. So uh, right now, weather is the uh, is the main event going on across all the row crops. Um, other than NAFTA or a Chinese story that would break about tariffs. Was the inspections report this morning neutral, or was it even a non-event? I would say non-event. I mean, it was good for corn. We saw another, oh, you know, over a million metric tons, which is what you want to see at this time of the year. It's a little bit smaller than a week ago. Soybeans, um, drastically smaller than corn, and then wheat, very small. But um, the beans and the corn were larger than expected, and I think they should be supportive. For the year, we're still behind pace for almost everything, but I expect the corn will pick up here in match pace by the end of it. I do think the USDA report is probably a little high on its wheat uh, exports down the road, which is why I think selling these rallies is probably something you need to look at. Only I would stay away from the front month right now. I'd go ahead and get hedged up for next year. Uh, you're going to have an opportunity here at 6, 6.20, 6.30 probably on the July KC. That's where I think you go in and buy some puts or get, get a floor out there for what you're going to grow a year from now, given that we're almost $2 off the lows from where we harvested back in 2017. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Find out more. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Ag information this hour brought to you by Smart Yield and by Frenchman Valley Cooperative. 